Welcome, friends, to episode three of Quest Rewind, the podcast where we go back in time, we celebrate the 90s, the 2000s, talking about some of our favorite games and consoles. In the past little while, we've been going back and celebrating the Nintendo 64. Two episodes ago, we talked about the birth, everything before the actual launch, and that in itself was actually our previous episode with that whopping lineup of two games, the price point, the first impressions, our first time playing and experiencing, right? Uh, Super Mario 64, because that game is an experience in itself. But considering the fact that we only got two games in that day one lineup, we thought that today we'll be talking about the games that came out within the first 12 months of the console. So from September 29th, 1996, all the way to September 30th, 1997, we're just going to be uh, talking about the games, maybe the ones that we did play, any memorable experiences with yours truly. My name is Juan Velas. I am from Puerto Rico. I'm Ryan from Boston. And I'm Canadian Keith. And uh, Canadian Keith, I actually forgot to ask you something. Is we, we talk about the release dates more often than not, is Canada tied to like the overall North America release date? Because I would assume so, but I don't want to yeah, assume it's, anything. It's pretty anything. Uh, in tandem with the U.S. release for most things, but the odd thing will get delayed a week or two. But for the most part, it's pretty similar. Okay, okay. So the format is like episode, twenty dollars more, which is awesome. Yeah, let me tell I, I've you, I've seen that. That's freaking ridiculous. Especially, <laughs> yeah, we we can have it deep conversation about that in the future. But with this, um, what's going to be happening is we're going to lump up some of the months and then take a pause, react to some of those games and keep going forward. And everybody, this is definitely an episode where we would love to get your feedback, whether it be on our Discord link in the description or Quest Rewind, all one word on Twitter. So as we talked a lot about this before on the previous episode, September 29th, we got two games. That's Super Mario 64 and Pilot Wings. So Super Mario 64, that game needs no more introduction. I am curious, though, because both of you mentioned playing Pilot Wings, but I didn't get a lot of meat on that bone. I didn't get a sense of, like, what was that experience? So could, could I get, like, a brief summary from either one of you? Yeah, because there's not a lot of meat on the pilot wings bone in general. You, what do you what do you, you do? Do you pilot you wings? Do you are are they wings? <laughs> yeah. They pilot. You you take those wings through some rings and then you and get some dings and then you uh, you land. And that's pilot. Is that about I it, rented Ryan? this game. I just don't remember a lot about it. Yeah, you fly through rings and then you try to land on these platforms, right? Don't you try to land mm-hmm. on these like target platforms and you try and get a good landing? Yeah. That's and all it, I remember. It's like a point collecting game pretty much. So that came out alongside Super Mario 64. Now, <laughs> we go to November and this is this is interesting because okay, November 1st we got Wave Race 64. November 11th, we got Mortal Kombat Trilogy, not to be confused with Mortal Kombat 4. Trilogy also came out in the uh, the PS1. It's a very broken game because it basically has the sprites from uh, Mortal Kombat's 1 through 3. It's wild. Like, it's crazy. It's just like what look, that game is. It's nuts. <laughs> exactly. That same day, we got Wayne Gretzky's uh, 3D Hockey, and then on November 25th, we got Killer Instinct Gold. But we got to go back to that first game I mentioned, Wave Race. I've, oh, it's still amazing. I played that game a couple of months ago and kind of like Super Mario with the animation. I remember just blowing, just being blown away by the, the fluidity of the, of the jet ski and everything, right? I, 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 I think I, I know where you're going. I know. I saw I'm, that I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be better about this stuff. All right. Blown away. Blown away about this game. Keith, were you blown away by Wave Race 64? Honestly, I've never touched Wave Race 64. What? Okay, I've dude. Never, I've never played it. Oh, my God. Ryan, I've played, Ryan, it. I've played it. Yeah, okay. so I don't know what it is about Wave Race 64. Like, jet skis, I've never been interested in riding a jet ski, but for some reason, a racing game on jet skis is just way more fun than it has any business being. 
Uh, this was again <laughs> another another rental for me. I do own it now, uh, although I actually haven't played it. Uh, I kind of just my buddy was throwing out N sixty four games, and I took them all and Wave Race was in there, so I should play it again because it's been a long time. But it was just really one of those racing games that was really fun to play and it was just a little bit different because instead of it being a car or something you're on these awesome jet skis and this felt like i mean this was the racing game to play if you wanted to play any racing game on the n64 until we got mario kart a little bit later so if you needed to get that fix uh this was really that first type of racing game that came out for the system yeah there the arcade racing game is a genre that the N64 just did so well. And this is definitely the first one in a long line of them. And I mean, one of the be- best things about the N64 is you got four controller ports. So a lot of these games, especially for people that love to go into the arcades, and we'll talk about another racing game that came out in just a month later. But Wave Race, it's it's the fact that it was small maps, right? Like these weren't insane maps, but they had checkpoints. And some of the stages, like the waves were a little more aggressive than other ones. So you had to consider that. But I freaking love that game. Now, when talking about Killer Instinct Gold, if I'm not mistaken, whenever they tag things with gold, it's usually like another, like an older version of a, of a game. I forget if this is based on Killer Instinct 2. I believe so, because uh, I'm looking at the cover. Uh, yeah. Yes, I believe that is correct. It's maybe a little graphically. I'm 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 watching some gameplay footage of it right now, and I miss this one, Killer Instinct Gold. But it it looks graphically superior to Killer Instinct. It, do you do you remember that dinosaur fighting game called Primal Rage? Dude, of that course. Came out? Yeah, it, this looks very much like that. So I think this was like a half step from 2D to 3D in Killer Instinct. Like they weren't ready for Killer Instinct 3D yet, so they've put this out. Um, Took a while before just that to happened. have it out there. Yeah. Ryan, did you ever play any of the Killer Instinct games? I've never played a single one. Shame on Man. me. I'm not a big fighting. I'm just not a big fighting game guy. I'll be honest. I had a combo down with Cinder and Killer Instinct that would put a put a put a pro to shame. Well, That's my story. Putting pros to shame because <laughs> let's let's think about this. So September, right? But November and December are key dates because. Santa's coming to town in December, right? So you're, you're asking yourself, like, what are you going to get? And keep in mind that if you have an N64, I'm just going to assume you already have Mario, right? So you need the other game. So looking at December... I don't think you can make that assumption, though, because it wasn't a pack-in. Well, that, that that's true. But think about a kid that got it before Christmas. Eventually, you beat that game, right? So you need that second game. Otherwise, it's going to be awesome. But then going to December... And then January, in December, we got two games on December 3rd, and then nothing else, at least as of this uh, list here. We got uh, Cruisin' USA, which freaking awesome game. I made reference to these games. Like What a great game. If I you went to those the games so much yeah. on the N64. Like this and California Speed were my jam for a very, oh, very long time. Oh, I forgot about time. that one. Yeah, yeah. And then the other game was Star Wars Shadows of the Empire. So third person shooter and uh, racing game. Ryan, what do you think about December? Uh, I played a little bit of Cruising USA at a friend's house, but never played a ton of it. But I did enjoy a little bit what I played, but it didn't really stick with me in the same way as some of the other racing games on the Nintendo 64. And then I've never played Shadows of the Empire. So that was it, though, for December. So Let's just sum it up. First year, right? Like the official, like 1996, excluding Super Mario 64. What would you say was the definitive second game as of uh, December? It probably has to be Wave Race, right? Like, yeah, yeah, for it's, me it would. A, yeah it's, a, it's still a Nintendo game, but that was like the next in a long line of you need to check this thing out because of this game. Like that, the first big 3D racing game. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that. Absolutely. And then let's see here, January. It's always been a dead month for gaming in general, just a lot of entertainment. So we got NBA Hang Time. Uh so not I mean, NBA NBA games were freaking awesome. Like NBA Hang Time, Showtime. Like I I've never been big into 
watching NBA games, but around this point, I would love, I love me a good NBA game. Like I just love the counts, the, the concept of playing a basketball game. What about you guys? NBA, NBA jam. jam was my yeah. jam for a long time. <laughs> Both Did you guys immediately. have that written down or something? Yeah. Well, NBA Jam is just a classic because it took the NBA game, but obviously made it arcadey and fun. It was kind of like NFL Blitz before NFL Blitz. Um, And it really was just a fun style. I never played Hang Time, but if I don't know if it was replicating that same style or not, or if it was more like a traditional NBA game. But yeah, never, never got a chance to play it. Yeah, same here. I never uh, played Hang Time, but there was like a time in my life that came a couple of years later where I loved sports games. And that would be like my go to game with whether it be NHL or NBA or NFL. I really enjoyed the sports titles, but that just wasn't at this point yet. But I had played NBA Jam before and loved my time with it. And before. Oh wow! He's yeah, on like, fire. And, and those games had like a. Which one could you play as Bill Clinton and all that? I know that was like Super Nintendo, but it was Jam. It was Jam. Okay, yeah, I forgot about that, and I forgot to mention that we are specifically talking about the North American lineup. Obviously, Japan, Europe. That's going to be looking a little bit differently. But now, February. Now this is a month because we got four games this month, starting with February tenth. Mario Kart 64, nice, cute indie game, right? We'll be talking about yeah, that one nobody, Nobody's ever second. touched, nobody played that ever. Then February Who'd 28th, one of my favorite N64 games, we got Blast Corps, also from that, that's uh, from Rare. Then uh, that same day, we got two more games, FIFA Soccer 64 and Turok Dinosaur Hunter. So in one month... And in this case, two of the games came out the same day. We have, whenever you bring up like the top 10, top 15 and 64 games, I feel like three of these games are in there. So it's Mario Kart, FIFA and Turok, definitely. But yeah, talk to me guys about February and that pretty amazing lineup considering we don't have a whole lot to play up until this point. Yeah, I mean, this is really when business started to pick up for the N64. It's almost unfortunate that these games didn't come out before Christmas. Because, Can you imagine man, this could the N64 could have had a holiday season if that was the case. But before, like, talking about them, Juan, could you sell me on Blast Corps a bit? Because I didn't really i don't i don't get that game i'm i'm unfamiliar really, with it as well yeah, i'm not it's familiar very, with it put it this way like i really didn't get it as a kid because at this point i was still learning english and i know there wasn't like a whole lot of text but i didn't understand the concept essentially what it is it's a destruction game where you have specific missions which is hey you got to destroy this building or you got to be able to clear this path before a specific is it like unit rampage or something or something but no cuz ra- no but because you're actually using like construction vehicles okay. and all that stuff so okay. what's cool is you don't just smash through the buildings you have to get a little bit more creative like you got to be able to drift and then as you're drifting you break your the building with the sides of your vehicle oh that's cool and what's cool is a lot of the missions is so you you can go around the the whole uh map but then there's a specific con- computer control thing that's automatically moving so you got to make sure that whatever objective you got to do you do it before the other thing clashes otherwise you fail the mission it's it's clunky and weird but it's one of those games that oh man, I did really bad. I got to go back and, and improve. It's one of the games that when Rare Replay came out on Xbox, it was like the first game that I played from that just because I was afraid like, oh man, I enjoyed this as a kid and it's still surprisingly fun. I didn't realize it was a Rare game either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, I, I would love for you to check it out and then we could we could talk about Rare in a series or yeah. something. That's yet another that option. Would, that would be a great, great one to do for sure. Definitely. I am in on this idea. So what about a Turok Dinosaur Hunter? I'll I'll chime in first because I have probably less experience than you guys on this one, but I did own this game. I remember my sister was kind of convincing me to get it. I don't know if it was my birthday or whatever uh, that I got to choose a game to get. 
but I remember it's an M-rated game, and it might have been one of the first M-rated games I ever owned. But I, at this point, was not used to FPS games at all. So it was very confusing for me to control. Like the fact that I had to use the C buttons and stuff to like move the camera, I, I, I didn't get it. It wasn't really making sense to me. And I was just like, I was afraid of this game because I was afraid of the dinosaurs, basically. <laughs> so That's I never played more than like a little bit at a time. And I just got, I got my ass handed to me every time I played. I don't think I ever beat the first level because I just was so bad at it. But it was like, it was a game I wanted to keep playing every once in a while, but I was very intimidated by it. So I never ended up really getting to appreciate and enjoy the game. Mm-hmm. I didn't have much of an experience with Turok 1 as a kid, but minus the fear, my experience with Turok 2 mimics Ryan's Turok 1, where I played a lot of that game. I was never good enough to get past the first level, but I really enjoyed playing it. And I thought the dinosaurs and the different weapons that you got, because they didn't really this was a time before there was the cookie cutter first person shooter because this really was new ground you didn't just have the assault rifle and the pistol and the shotgun you're playing with things like the bow and arrow and the the gun that brains somebody the cerebral bore and the flamethrower and the missile launcher like it was very out of the box style weaponry in the turok games and it was awesome it really was great and and super fast paced. At this point, I had actually played a lot of uh, first person shooters on PC, so this was like one of my first times being like, "Whoa!" Not sure if this is good for console, but hey, uh, Turok's pretty great. Now, lumping March through May, on March thirty first, we have Doom sixty four, and that game. Not to be confused with any of the other Dooms. I also thought this as a kid. I just thought Doom 64 was a port of Doom 1 or 2. No, this is like a full custom-made game for the huh. Nintendo 64. To the point I that, did not know that. Yeah, yeah. To the point that they actually just ported this uh, as of this recording like a couple of months ago. And a lot of people said like this was an amazing game. And I think I rented it like one time, but I really didn't play too much. On May, we also got War Gods, which War Gods I actually did play. It's a, it's a 3D fighting game. And I remember being, I'm going to say like obsessed with it just because I, I, I thought it was a good game. But deep down, I knew it sucked. I knew it was a really bad <laughs> fighting game. But it's one of those things. It's you like, just didn't oh, want to admit it. You didn't yeah. want to admit it. I, I don't know if it's, I, I don't think I bought it. I'm pretty sure it was a rental. But then that same day, we got Hexen. And this game I never played. Yeah, I was a Hexen kid. I loved that game. So this is like, this is kind of like Doom, right? First person, similar yeah, it's like, style. It's like Magic Doom. Like you had spells that you cast and stuff instead of uh, missile launchers. But it played exactly like Doom. So if you like those games, Hexen was an all right one of those. So it's interesting that we got two games in, in the that span that are not just in the same genre. We're we're gonna say it's like very, very similar. Yeah, and then we did get a fighting similar. game. Because really, just scrolling up, with the exception of Mortal Kombat and Killer Instinct, wow, that was quite a while before we actually ended up getting another fighting game. And here's a new IP, right? War Gods is from Midway. Same thing as uh, Doom. Ryan, in your case, uh, did you experience any of these? Doom 64, I may have rented, but I think much like you, I didn't really get that far play it that much. And then the other two games are, I feel like I'm hearing for the first time today. So <laughs> that, that there you Look go. Look up some gameplay of War Gods and you'll think to yourself, okay, this totally came out in the first 12 I'm, months of the console. Yeah, I'm watching some right now as we're talking and it's fully 3D and I got to give it a couple of points for that because Killer Instinct Gold wasn't quite there yet. It was like two and a half and Mortal Kombat Trilogy was a port of the 2D Mortal Kombat games like War Gods was a decent trailblazer. I'm, I'm just going to throw a name out there. I'll be surprised if either of you know about it. If I say Biofreaks, does anybody feel anything? I've heard of Biofreaks. 
Biofreaks is another. It's like if Smash and Power Stone had a really crappy baby that they did not want, <laughs> then it would be Biofreaks. No, shout well, I mean, out to the that, trash that baby. That name kind of goes along with your analogy, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, going over uh, June through July, we are in the summertime, folks. June 30th, this is the game we'll actually be talking about two episodes down the line, Star Fox 64, and then two games I have no idea about, July 10th, Dark Rift. What the hell is Dark Rift? Let's see here. I've never heard of that game. This, I'm just this is kind here. of where the, uh, the oh, shovelware started to come out. I played this. It's another crappy uh, 3D fighting game. I, I just... Yeah, so, okay. I, I got to ask this, and I'll start it with you, Keith, because I think we're going to go down a similar path. The Trident in fighting games, not Smash. Talk to me about that. It has to be Street Fighter. It, in I'm talking 1996 here in N64 times. It, it has to be Mortal Kombat, Killer Instinct, Street Fighter, right? Wait, Street Fighter? What? We had a Street Fighter in N64. Oh. I, I thought you meant like the trident of fighting games oh, no, in no, general. No, I meant like the controller. Okay, we were totally yeah. disconnected. Oh, I thought, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, we're definitely going to go down the right I you were talking about the weapon, path. a trident weapon in a fighting game. Okay, I <laughs> really should have picked a better word The controller in fighting here. games. It's so, yeah, it was a bad combination. It was awful. Just the way that, like, that that was when I used the claw grip. I don't know if you're familiar yep. with it. And you you had your two hands kind of pinching the controller in different areas. It was bad. Like, that's what I did when I played fighting games on it. And no one should have had to put their poor hands through that. All right, Ryan, talk to me about your favorite memories with uh, International Superstar Soccer 64. <laughs> uh, my favorite memory was never knowing it existed. <laughs> hey, it was from Konami. I mean, yeah, still, that's yeah, you can that's get some a, pachinko machines. It's a, uh, <laughs> that it's hurts a title in a long line of Konami soccer games, though, right? Like, that is something that carried on for okay, years and years Okay, you know what? Let's have some fun here. International Superstar Soccer 64. IGN reviewed it from 1 to 10. What do you think it got? A 6.4. Uh, IGN, uh, I, I think they gave it a 7 out of 10. They gave it a 9 out of 10. Wow. Wow. So who who are we to judge International Superstar Soccer 64? Now I'm just hey, curious. I'm not... Dark Rift review IGN. Let's see here. I didn't even realize they were reviewing stuff back then. <laughs> yeah, dude, internet goes oh, way yeah. back, way deep. It got a 5.4. So yeah, Dark Rift, yeah. Dark Rift indeed. Let's see here. <laughs> now we go over to August. And now, uh, now business is picking up, folks. Yeah, so it, it's a case where, well, actually, there's two games in here, but then there's the one game that really, it's like when you bring this game up, everything else is largely irrelevant. So uh, August 11th, we have Tetrisphere. Did anybody here play said fear I of the Tetris? actually did <laughs> play Tetrisphere. It, was, it wasn't as a kid, but there was a point in my life where I was really into Tetris, and I wanted to see all the weird ways they tried to reinvent Tetris. Because and it was like a you, 3D globe, yeah, right? As opposed to if top If you're not down. familiar with it, like traditional Tetris, your columns and your filling the blocks, somebody went like... What if we brought Tetris into the third dimension? We're, we're gonna make it a Boom. a tet. It's a Tetris sphere. Whoa! Tetris sphere. You're gonna fill the sphere in Tetris. Do you feel sphere, the sphere? And it was Ryan? garbage. Do you feel it? I I did not feel it. I I really <laughs> didn't play Tetris until much later. So, uh, I was not a puzzle game kid. I was very. Uh, I'll be honest. I was like a very like one note like just give me the the platformer game or whatever at this point i had not yet expanded my horizon so i was very limited in some of some of my selection i think tetris is the most like gold star example of 
if it ain't broke, don't fix it in video game history. Like the, the best version of Tetris is still the original one. You try to make it a sphere. You try to add some new bricks. It just doesn't work. It's just the original formula. That's all you need. And when they make good versions of that formula to this day, they are some of the best games on the market. I love Tetris. Well, Keith, you, you talked about gold. Ryan, what do you think about eyes? What's your thing? Just... <laughs> <laughs> so bad. <laughs> August 25th. When the eyes are gold, you got three numbers, Ryan. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, <laughs> okay, Golden Eye 007. <laughs> okay, what are the best games? 007, one of the greatest games for its time. This was a game that I played a lot. At friend's house, it was the FPS party game, basically, until Halo came out, I think. Uh, for consoles, I should say. I played this a ton with friends doing the multiplayer, and then eventually, I think I got mine like 98, 99. I finally got my own copy of it. I probably didn't get it till like two years later, but I remember it won like Game of the Year like two years in a row even it was like the games that came out the following year were just not good enough and had gold and i won again they were just like this game's still better than those games um yeah this you know you think movie games generally they they had a bad history but this was just a banger and it was with n64 having four controller ports the multiplayer was just the best multiplayer for a console first-person shooter. And then not only that, but the campaign mode was actually really fun to play too. And was the levels were really interesting and you had all these objectives. And it just was a recipe for an incredible game that just kind of came out of nowhere and people loved. Mm -hmm. GoldenEye was my first experience playing the, the N64 at a friend's house, playing the multiplayer, and it's just incredible how good this game is. Like Ryan said, every area of it is just like top of the line for its time the campaign was amazing they managed to fit the story of goldeneye uh, 007 into this game in a fun way with the different mission objectives and the replayability of single player by adding on objectives as you increase difficulties like that was a very cool thing that the game did and then the multiplayer not just having a arena for people to um, shoot each other with. They had all these different modes and options in it that you could play all of these different like you could play with the same people and have 20 different games depending on the options that you choose like if you did proximity mines only or slappers only or if somebody was winning too much you could make them choose jaws and then they were an easier target like there was just so many options in golden eye i i would get why it would win game of the year two years in a row because it really is one of the best games i would say not even of its time but of all time absolutely and i think what's what's interesting is let's look at what we talked about you know within these 10 months or so so when it comes to first person shooters you know keith you played hexen that came out less than three months before this one so just yeah. think about the technical difference right like we're not saying which game oh, is better insane. or not because but, Hexen wow. is kind of a rehash of a formula that already existed. But with GoldenEye, it was just such a step above. Like, if you, graphics aside, if you took something like Doom 64, if you took something like Hexen, you could pretty much do the same thing in Doom, right? Like, it wasn't exactly um, lighting the world on fire with what it was doing, as good as it was. But when you look at something like GoldenEye versus what they were doing, like, this was an entire reinvention of the first-person genre. It, not only was it a good game, but it was, like, a game that moved things forward. And I think it was very similar to Mario because, okay, Turok... Turok was 3D, great game. People still play it. But Turok, I feel like a lot of people love it for its jank. Like you mm -hmm. could tell it was still, okay, it's a first-person shooter, but it's kind of empty. 
it works. But then GoldenEye said, okay, no, this is a cinematic first-person shooter experience on the N64. Like on the previous episode, I talked about one of my favorite things with uh, Super Mario 64 was not even progressing through the game. It was understanding the, the feel of the character. When I played GoldenEye, the thing that really stuck out to me was how the character had weight. Like in Turok and other first-person shooters, I felt like the character, you're just a floating weapon. But with GoldenEye, like the walking, everything about it from and how you, you got moved. shot and you went... <sighs> and the blood, it's like... Yeah, the, it's, it's, it's the details. <laughs> yeah. It was so freaking good. It was so freaking good. And... and um, what did you guys think about that? Because GoldenEye, to me, really was the first cinematic game. And I'm not just saying because it's literally based off a movie. I mean, how many games we've seen based off a movie that they strip out the cinematic part yet here? It's like the cutscenes were were very uncommon still. Like at this point, a really good 3D cutscene. And, you know, it's not like full of dialogue. But when you look at the dam, right? And James Bond is about to jump down. I remember just like being, wow, this is amazing. Like, I'm seeing him. And it's like maybe, what, a 10-second cutscene or something, a clip? But it makes you feel like you are playing James Bond as opposed to here's a generic character. Did that mean anything to you guys? I wonder if one of the reasons, because they they had to do the cutscenes, right, because N64 wasn't good with having, like, videos in it, like the PlayStation. You couldn't have, like, full motion video in it. So they Probably. had to do the cutscenes. but. It yeah, the cutscenes definitely helped and they, they did a good job of actually following the events of the movie really, really well. So then that was so much so that I actually wanted to I went and like rented the movie because I, I played the game before I even saw the movie. And uh, even more fun with that was because of all the cheats that they added. You could have like big head mode in and then see all the cutscenes with James Bond having just like a <laughs> yep. massive head. And I remember I think. He just like couldn't even like grip the helicopter right in that final cutscene because of the big head. <laughs> like it was just the f it just had a great combination of good single player, great multiplayer, and then just all these little bells and whistles to just make it even more fun. And I think the other thing we got to talk about is this came out August twenty fifth, nineteen ninety seven. Do you guys remember the year the uh, film came out? I have no idea. Ninety five. Ninety five. So the yeah. film. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't like a like the like, like it came out six months ago, right? With the release, yeah. So we're so so just imagine that it's like you had to sell people on okay, we got to make at least a halfway mediocre game based on a movie that came out over a freaking year ago from a genre like the first person genre, with the exception of like, look, you don't have a reference here. You have like what three games that have come out. So much like the the speculation that we had on the previous episode of like what we have gotten Donkey Kong Country 3 had the N64 not been delayed here. It's like, could you imagine if they had just said, uh, Keith, like the movie already came out. Let's just scrap the project. And something that was fascinating to me about this game I actually saw a lot of documentaries. Most of the developers from this game, this was their first game that they have been working on. Like a lot of them didn't understand. It's like, oh, of course, this is how you would make a game. So it laid the foundation for a lot of companies to say like, maybe we do need some people with an outsider's perspective because they saw the movie and they're like, well, we got to make the movie like the game. So we just got to make it happen. And we got one of the best games of all time, right? Yeah, it's fascinating how just that unique perspective, like how I was talking about earlier, where it was somebody that, or it was a game that kind of pushed the industry forward, at least the first person genre part of the industry, like... I bet you a lot of that can be attributed to the fact that it was a lot of these developers' first games and not really um, being accustomed to making the norm, to really like following that Doom formula. So it, it's cool to know that and how, um, like, talk about starting the show with a showstopper, right? Like, if GoldenEye is your first game, what do you do from there? <laughs> Well, good thing it's rare, and they just kept putting out bangers. Rare. <laughs> True. Man, just, oh, rare so freaking good. I miss good. the old yeah, I rare. guess you go to Pinata Islands. That's where you go next. <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, did you guys hear about the whole process? Like there was a, I think it was for 360. It's been like fully dumped. Like there was a, a full on remaster that was made, but never released. Oh, and yeah. they found yeah, the code there and was it's like a, fully playable. There was a time in the mid 2000s where it kept popping up. Like there was a time where it was going to end up on Xbox Live Arcade. Yeah, yeah. And then it was going to be on the virtual console and then the rare replay. Like that game just was supposed to be everywhere and, and just, it was just for whatever year. reason and there was also we made like goldeneye rogue agent like the on nintendo Wii. they were trying to like capitalize on mm-hmm. the nostalgia of goldeneye just didn't hit the same great game great game though and that was once again in august and uh, another game in august is uh MRC Multi Racing Championship. Ryan, talk to me about like your top three moments playing that game. <laughs> uh, I loved getting the championship through multi racing. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> that, that was good though. That was my favorite part. I got second place. I have no idea what that game is. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's a- the reason we spent a lot of time in gold today is like after this, the year just takes a, a massive dip. So I that. got some stuff to say about the next game, at least a little bit. So September 30th, 1997, we get Clay Fighter 63 and a third. Now, I don't believe I actually played this specific Clay Fighter, but I remember playing, I think there was two Clay Fighters, two or three yeah, on the Super, Super Nintendo. Nintendo. Yeah. There was two, and I yeah. loved Clay Fighter I on the Super one. Nintendo. Yeah, me too. I was a big fan, and I think my, my sister and I even actually did beat the first Clay Fighter. I think the bo- the final boss was this weird, like, r- like circle or something yeah the graphics he, he freaked was. me yeah, out yeah. yeah but so weird obviously the genre it was meant to be like a parody of fighting games and they just had a bunch of crazy characters um based off of movies and pop culture and everything but i think they got a little carried away with 63 and a third and the reason they call it that is i think there was the, i don't know if you guys are familiar with like the naked gun franchise like with yep. leslie nielsen and there was uh I think the third one was called like 33 and a third. So they were kind of playing off of that. Uh, Instead of 64, they do 63 and a third. But (laughs) if you look at the roster of Clay Fighter 63 and a third, it's like there's some straight up racist characters in this game. So it did not age well. They have uh, Kung Pao which is a very racist Asian stereotype. And then I think there's like, there is also a um, like voodoo character that I think would not, very, mm-hmm. you know, also pretty racist based if on today's, also you know. Remember, like it's kind of where failed platform uh, protagonists went to die as well. Like I think Boogerman was a character in this Earthworm game. Earthworm Jim was in this game. Yeah, Earthworm Jim. So, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Apologies. Wow, yeah, to, that's true. Yeah, too, it's a shame. He was, <laughs> we got to kill off these characters. Hey, we got yeah. that Clay Fighter game. And yeah, uh, yeah this game like on IGN, uh, what was the review? It got like a three point something. It's like super, yeah. super low score. It's really disappointing because I was a big fan of that yeah. first Clay Fighter game. I like Ryan. I played a lot of it. Shout out to uh, Tiny, the pro wrestler. He was my dude. And uh, yeah, I just I've honestly I've never played this one because I remember looking at it and saying, well, that doesn't look great. So I let I let my memories of Clay Fighter live in the two dimensions or bad Mr. Frosty. But yeah, I, yeah. I think the Super Nintendo was was its heyday. Uh, interesting note though is I think they did eventually come out because we'll probably never talk about this game again. I think they came out with a special edition called like Sculptor's Cut, and that's actually and that's like one- expensive. Yeah, it's one of like the rarest N sixty four games out there. Because uh-huh. I think it, it only came out like in a block, but you could you could only buy it at like a, a specific store, and it was very yeah. low stock, from what I remember. Yeah, so it's just one of those like for N sixty four collectors. It's one of those like. Um, you know holy grail yeah holy grail that's the word i was looking for and then you mentioned that game we also got two other games that day extreme g and pole position got had f1 because otherwise those two games back to back that that wording is interesting so (laughs) extreme g getting an extreme g on the pole position (laughs) yeah i will clarify extreme g is a motor racing game which i am looking at the screenshots 
I always saw the boxer, but I never played it. So kind of feels like an ev- cheap F-Zero before F-Zero on the N64. Did anybody play that? Nope. And then F1. I'm just going to assume none of us played this game. Correct. And we ended the episode. That's it. We really go out with a bang there. But there, there's a couple of genres, like looking at the year as a whole, there's a couple of genres that I think are very prominent and fascinating that they have both good and bad examples of each other on there and that would be like fighting games you started to see the you started to see the the potential there with stuff like killer instinct and the mortal Kombat trilogy for things that were like that would come later and then even the racing genre you have good and bad examples of that genre in this first year and then shooting games same thing you had your um you had your games that kind of were status quo for shooters and then games that just changed the entire industry like that if if you were to sum up the first year of the n64 into what came out for it like it's those three types of games really true and don't think we forgot to talk about a game that i briefly mentioned but i was like i know we're gonna talk about goldeneye so let's talk about that first and then we are going to go back to February 10th because one game we just mentioned but did not discuss is Mario Kart 64. So when you look at the big titles of the year, I think they really are Super Mario, uh, Wave Race, Mario uh, Mario Kart. You got GoldenEye and you got Star Fox, which that one we didn't bring up a lot because we are going to, that's going to have its own full episode, right? So we're going to be talking about that. But And Blast Course for me. So, Keith, talk to me about that kart racer that got got quite popular, especially with yeah, four that, players. That kart with the Italian man on it. But I like when you talk about Mario Kart, it's really in a league of its own when it comes to party arcade kart racing racing games and mario it's a very kart specific 64. genre <laughs> yeah very I, I i you can cut the kart racer from yeah. there it's, but it's the like, best of the kart racers with blue shells genre <laughs> exactly but you know it doesn't really make it in the red shell category there's just one better but yeah um, mario kart 64 arguably one of the best mario kart games of all time i played a lot of it as a kid and i loved this game like the, some of the most iconic tracks in it building off of what they did in super nintendo Great game. Yeah, I'm trying to, and I'll kind of ask this after I give my thoughts on Mario Kart 64, because uh, I have a, I have a question to pose for you guys. But for for Mario Kart 64, I, I just wasn't big on the Super Nintendo one. It just didn't really draw me in. But 64, there was something about it that just made it a lot more enjoyable. I don't know if it was just the visuals, because on the Super Nintendo, the visuals were pretty bland um, for, you know, a lot of Super Nintendo games looked incredible when you're trying to do that 3D perspective. Eh, it just it didn't interest me that much. But Mario Kart 64 expanding some of the characters and it was just it was a lot of fun. And again, it was one of those pivotal party games. And I don't know if it's the track, the tracks themselves or what, but I, I kind of want to ask you guys. What is it about Mario 64 that people still go back to it? Because, I mean, a lot of people will say, you know, Double Dash is the best one or Mario Kart 8 now that it's been the same Mario Kart for like 15 years now. But um, (laughs) what is it about Mario 64? Is it the courses? Because it doesn't really have like a unique gimmick like Double Dash or something like that. So why do people always go back to Mario 64? Is it just nostalgia or what is it? For me, I think, like for, for context, Double Dash to me is the first one that really connected with me. Like you, Super Mario Kart, great game, but it, it never, I was never a fan of the graphics. I, I, I always felt disoriented. I, I never got that. With Mario Kart 64, I think for a lot of people, that is what they envisioned from Super, but they yeah. got it here because yeah. 
even with the graphics, I think a lot of people forget that the characters are sprites. They're not 3D. But a lot of people, when you, it's like when you ask, oh, Ryan, like, what do you think about Mario Kart 64? They think, oh, well, Super Mario 64 had 3D graphics, like fully one. So, of course, the characters are also like that. And that's not the case. So, I think it's like this perfect balance of you have a little bit of the retro because of the sprites of the characters. The animation is very simplistic. Like when when you go back, this is very, very simple animation. Like and you have GoldenEye that came out in that same year, just for reference of just how much 3D graphics evolved. And I think it's just like a very solid, fun racing game. And at the end of the day, it's look, you have four controllers and you shoot people with shells. And this is your first time probably doing this because if you go before February, you have your cruise in USA, but you're not shooting people from your car. You have Wave Race, which is great, but there's no action. This gave you a little bit of everything. And it was the first one for the console. And at least for me, I think that's why so many people remember it so fondly. Yeah, the problem with Cruisin' USA or Wave Race was that you weren't Mario in it. So you instantly attract a fan base just from having that cast of characters. But I think one hit the nail on the head with that one. When you look back at the Super Nintendo Mario Kart, you could see the potential even though like the racing genre just wasn't there yet like it was still cool getting to race as those characters and being on those tracks but the benefit of 3d in mario kart 64 and just adding like adding a whole new layer and life to these characters and tracks things like bowser's castle like when i think of mario kart 64 i think of the bowser's castle track just because of how cool i thought it was that you were going around bowser's castle and being able to race through it like when you think about that track versus its uh super nintendo equivalent like like it's really it's it's tough to compare it almost just because of how much more uh life and how much more um you're in it and it it feels it this is going to sound weird but it feels less video gamey in the way that you are like you you can have that extra layer of immersion like you're not just seeing the pixels and the sprites and the weird things flying by it like as a kid you were there you were in uh, Bowser's castle you were racing on Rainbow Road which is still very cool i am a Rainbow Road defender <laughs> and <laughs> all all of those different tracks I like liked- that P- the Peach's Castle level, you could actually drive mm-hmm. over to the castle if you wanted that to. That was uh, everybody yeah. did that, right? You had mind to. You blown. To. Yeah, you're at like, that oh, point. I want to go in the castle and play Mario 64. It's like just put in the game, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they they have to do like an attachment, like the Sega attachment, yeah. like Sonic. You just put one game on top of the <laughs> other. That would have been amazing. No, but yeah, I, I think that's the the three of us have summarized pretty well, like the significance of Mario Kart 64. Now excluding Super Mario 64, if you were to pick your top two personal picks as far as your favorite games from the first 12 months, excluding Mario, because once again, like that, that is the one game, the default game, which uh, would those uh, be for you? I would pick Wave Race 64 and GoldenEye because those, uh, you know, there's a bunch on here I, I just didn't end up playing but for those, those are the two games I had definitely had the most fun playing. Turok, I was just too much of a scared child to get far enough in that game <laughs> to really enjoy it. So those definitely stand out to me. Yeah, I would have to go with GoldenEye, no question, and then probably Mario Kart 64 after that because... For the first few years of the N64's life, I didn't own one. I don't think I owned one until like 1999. So it was very much a go to a friend's house, play these things, play these party games, um, and then catch up on the games that I missed once I owned it. Like early N64 for me was GoldenEye, Mario Kart, Perfect Dark, Super Smash Brothers, all party games that I would go to friend's house and play with them. 
That's a hell of a lineup, though. And uh, you, you brought up 99. So everybody uh, that's uh, listening, first of all, if you enjoy this podcast, we used to be called a cast of the past. And I say that because if you are checking this out on the podcast feed and you like this, guess what? There's over two years worth of content from talking background, the auto games, a whole lot of stuff that is still available in the very same podcast feed and on the same uh, YouTube channel, which is uh, youtube.com slash quest rewind. We really would love to get your feedback as far as some of your favorite picks about some of your favorite uh, N64 games from the first 12 months. And now what's going to be happening because this is episode three. So in the following one, we're going to be going all the way to the very end of the N64 and more even in present time and talking about the legacy of the console. Like we can eventually go back and tackle a specific year. Like Keith mentioned, 1999, we could do a five episode series or a specific episode. I mean, that year, holy crap, it's it's amazing. But episode four, we'll be talking about the legacy. What did that console mean to us? And then on episode five, we'll be talking about Star Fox 64. So how do you guys feel we are in the middle episode from this N64 journey? Expectation versus what we have. How do you feel? Feeling good. You know, we've we've spent a lot of time talking about the early years of the N64 and just how, like, really it started off slow and once once it pressed on the gas boy did it go and it's been fun going through those early years but i'm excited to see uh to talk about the legacy and where that that car that was the n64 ended up and then uh ended off with Star Fox. that's a game that i've never played personally so i'm uh, i'm excited to check it out yeah same here it'll be nice to you know we've spent over three hours now i think talking about nintendo 64 and we i'm excited to kind of wrap wrap up kind of this little block with just talking about the legacy and then actually going out playing playing an n64 game and then uh just being able to discuss that because yeah again it's a game i have not star fox is a game i have not really played that much of and never beaten so uh it'll be kind of a a fresh fresh review for at least me and keith yeah, for me, it's actually a game I played and beat a couple times. So it's one of the rare occurrences where usually I'm the one going into a game. <laughs> Can't more you beat blindly. it in like a half hour? Oh, yeah. It's a. It's a uh, that, but Keith, come on, man. You, you got to give me <laughs> something. I mean, that's why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't be proud of this. <laughs> yeah, but everybody, we love working on this podcast. So once again, Twitter, Quest, Rewind, if you want to join the conversation. And on the description of the podcast feed. Uh, that's where you'll also find the link to our Discord. So up until the following episode, this has been Quest Rewind. Take care, everybody. 